Well, good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome to another Aliyah Day. Hope everybody is doing well, being blessed, and uh, highly favored. Baruch Hashem. Glad you're with me this morning. I am glad to be with you. And we are in Parashah Vayetze. We're still in the first Aliyah as we're looking at this incident of uh, Jacob's ladder, the dream that, Je- that Yaakov had, and we're wanting to spend some time exploring these uh, insights and see what they can offer to us uh, throughout this uh, period in our life, this Torah portion, Baruch Hashem. So I hope everybody is doing well and being blessed. By the way, thank you all for joining me. Everybody is faithfully joining each day, and it has been a uh, tremendous blessing to have all of you with uh, with me and, and to see everybody who is here. We're getting close to 8,000 subscribers on this channel, and I'm just going to see real quickly where, we're, where we are with that. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do so. We would love to uh, have everybody be a part of... Um, of where we, uh, of our con- uh, our community, I'm trying to, let me spit this out, our community here, yeah, we're 7,874, so real close to 8,000, Baruch Hashem. By the way, a shout out to all of uh, my Marine Corps brothers out there, it is the birthday of the United States Marine Corps, Urah. so uh, happy birthday, happy birthday Marines, glad all of us uh, who have the opportunity to serve in the Marine Corps and uh, enjoy all of that. Happy birthday to the most elite fighting force on the planet, uh, to the elite Marine Corps. Hoorah. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's look at the uh, uh, insights here. We left off yesterday talking about why we're in exile. What is it about the exile what what do the sages say, by the way, about the exile? You know, um, as many of you know, the concepts of conversion are near and dear to my heart. And there are many, uh, many uh, wrong ideas, I guess you'd say, about Jews and conversion and proselytization, even amongst Jews, even amongst rabbis today. And it I don't know if it's just an ignorance of history or uh, ignoring history or, or what, or what it is. I, I really don't know. But what people believe about Jews and proselytizing today is um, just not what is the reality of Judaism as it as it was. So, uh, as I've said before, um, because as I've said, I've, I've spent a lot of time studying this topic, and, and by studying this topic, <laughs> I don't mean via Google or YouTube, but rather. Uh, through published work by vetted scholars, I have two books, in fact, that are it's extremely hard to find. And thank God I was was able to get them. But basically, they were written in the um, ni- 1939 and 1940. Um, 
and, and they really deal in depth with this. There's, anyway, I've got other publications, but basically it's like this. You'll never, you won't find in any historical source, any rabbinic source, where um, Jewish people, to include the patriarchs and so on, were running around the world trying to trying to make Noahides. Right? It just never happens. There's never an instance. To the contrary, Judaism was very evangelical. Jews attempted to bring people into Judaism. And rightfully so. Uh, the only reason that ceased, the only reason it was curtailed and stopped, was because of Christian persecution. That it became, the, the church uh, made a ruling that basically uh, anybody who would convert to Judaism would be tortured to death and killed. And the, the Jewish person who converted them would be also, likewise, tortured to death and killed. So, as one could expect, that through Christian persecution, and I keep emphasizing Christians because it wasn't anybody else but the Christians, actually. Uh, through that persecution, they, uh, you know, it kind of put a damper on the evangelical outreach, Right? Uh, and so, you know, people often ask me, Christians often ask me, why is it that Jews don't believe? And um, can't they see what Messiah did? Can't they see the prophecies he fulfilled and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, they can't see the proverbial forest because of the trees because... There's been so many Jews have been who have been brutally murdered, brutally brutally raped, tortured, burned alive, persecuted beyond imagination under the uh, symbol of the cross. And I don't mean to be intentionally um, well, I don't mean to be needlessly, blunt with that, but I, I, I want you to just simply understand. Jewish people can't see the message of the gospel, quote-unquote, because of all the swords that are in our face. Now, the message of the gospel itself is extraordinarily problematic because it's completely unbiblical. I'm talking about the traditional gospel message. But putting that aside for a second, we can't even discuss that. We can't even argue that because we're too busy being killed by the people wearing the cross. That, that's, that's just the reality. Okay? Now, in our modern age, you know, we have Zionist Christians and stuff who love Israel, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the overt, let's murder you, anti-Semitism is not quite as bad as it was, but there's more of a soft anti-Semitism nowadays. Nowadays, it's like, we don't really want to murder you. We just want to make sure that you don't practice Judaism. It's okay for you to be Jewish, you know, like, 
um, culturally Jewish, genetically Jewish, I guess, but we would rather you not like practice Judaism. So there's like more of a soft anti-Semitism today, okay? But all that's just a reality check. I think that's something we that people need to deal with and just and not and by the way, um, I think it, it's 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 not helpful because some people have said, and well-meaning, by the way, very well-meaning people have said, well, those weren't real Christians. A real Christian wouldn't have uh, murdered, you know, and burned children alive at the stake if their parents didn't convert, which is exactly what Christians did in France. That's not helpful, though, to say that because these actually were, really, they were actually Christians. So it's not, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know how, I don't really know how to articulate what I'm trying to say with that. I don't have the words actually to describe how that's actually not helpful to say that. It's actually kind of like uh, insulting to say that, right? Um, it would be like saying if, say, if your entire family was murdered by, you know, God forbid, murdered by uh, uh, Orthodox Jews, and then I came along and said, well, th those guys weren't really Jews. They were just, you know, fakers. That does, that's not helpful, is it? It's better for me to just own it and say, okay, those guys were Jewish. They were just, you know, out of their mind, and I completely denounce, you know, <clears throat> their behavior. Th that's, that's more helpful than to try to, to deny um, that they weren't Jews. I, do you under, hopefully you understand what I mean, because a lot of people have said that to me, that, and they think that's a good defense, but it's actually um, not. But all of that's to say that that's why Jews don't proselytize anymore, and so what happened over the course of time is that Judaism developed this kind of silly theology that we're not supposed to proselytize, that Actually, what we're supposed to do is just encourage the nations to be non-Jews who don't practice idolatry. But in so doing, we forget, as Jews, that anything that isn't Judaism is by definition idolatry. Because there's not multiple covenants on the earth. There's not multiple paths to God. We're, we are not polytheistic. Okay, in our, we're monotheism, we're monotheistic. There's only one way. There's not a bunch of ways. So by telling not the nations, hey, you can get to heaven, just, uh, you don't have to be Jews, just don't be idolaters. That's a nonsensical statement because by not being Jewish, you're being an idolater. You understand what I mean? Like, like I was having a conversation with uh, a rabbi, a colleague of mine, in Dallas once, and and he, I was asking him about a particular uh, faith group. I said, "Do you think it's that that faith group is idolatry?" Do, you know, and he said, "No, because they don't they don't necessarily worship a statue or whatever." And I said, "Well, okay." I said, "But but but do they worship the God of Israel?" And he was like, "Well, no." And I said, "Well, see, that's idolatry because to be just you don't have to have a statue for it to be idolatry." You see, you could worship a cloud or any cloud. You could worship the air. The ancient uh, Arabs worshiped the dust of the earth. Literally. So you see, you don't have to have, you know what I'm saying? Like any, anything outside of the God of Israel is by definition idolatry. 
And we forget that, right? And it's not to put other people down, because even the sages say, we shouldn't look down upon the non-Jews. They're only doing what their fathers taught them to do. So in other words, we shouldn't look down on them. We should, we should have compassion for them. And we should, we should try to help them and try to teach them about, you know, the God of the universe. So all of that to say, to, to circle back to um, why the sages say we went into exile, okay? And the reason that we went into exile, as the ancient rabbinic sages said, the reason God scattered us to the earth, right? You can say, well, was it because of our sin? Well, yeah, but God had a purpose in it, okay? And his purpose was, as the sages point out, so that we could bring many converts into the faith. That's why there's Jews in Africa and Asia and Great Britain and Los Estados Unidos and Sul America. The reason we're here is to bring people into the covenant of Judaism. It doesn't say Noahide eye roll. It says Judaism. That's why we're here. And in fact, there's many accounts uh, back prior to all that persecution I mentioned that when rabbis would go to these faraway, you know, enclaves of Jews in various places and they would see that in an entire year's time they hadn't gained one convert, they would rebuke them. They would rebuke them for being insulary. They would rebuke them for not reaching out to their community and to try to encourage the Ruths and the Jethros and the Rahabs and, frankly, the Sarahs, Rebecca's, Rachel and Leah's, Bilhah and Zilpah of the world to come in to uh, the community. So... That's why Hashem has scattered us abroad. That's why we're here. We exist to reach people. And we should do everything we can to do just that. And one of the greatest things we can do is to be kind and compassionate and caring. And I should say hospitable. We talked about that at length during the Aliyah once. That... Um, how it, how critically important hospitality is. Critically important. To may I sit at your table? Absolutely. You know, I'm hungry. Can you give me something to eat? You betcha. <laughs> what did Messiah say? If you've not given a cup of water to these, you've not given it to me. Right? Uh, Abraham and Sarah, they, they sought converts. That was their... You realize that, that seeking converts was the mission of Abraham and Sarah. And this is why Yeshua said, if, you, if, you, if, if Abraham actually was your father you would be doing the works of Abraham. What are the works of Abraham? Well, first of all, o obedience to Torah, 100%. But, but beyond that, what was it? It was reaching people for Hashem. Sometimes we can do that through, you know, 
teaching them about the Word of God. Sometimes we can do that through, you know, overt evangelical outreach. And a lot of times we just do that by being nice and by being hospitable and, and by being fun to be around, by smiling. The sages talk about that. Greet everybody with a smile. You know Sam the Eagle? How many of you know Sam the Eagle from uh, the Muppets? I actually love Sam the Eagle. He's one of my favorite Muppets. But what is it? What is Sam the Eagle famous for? He's famous for his, he's constantly got his, his frown on his face. He's always serious. <laughs> right? I love Sam the Eagle as a character, uh, as a Muppet. He's fun. But we're, we can't be Sam the Eagle. And, and if you find yourself being that person, and which, by the way, I kind of have to work on myself to be quite, quite frank. As my wife will point out to me, that I, I often have an intense look on my face when I'm just... And I don't know, it's just a habit, I guess. I don't know. I just kind of have this, this look of intensity. And uh, I've had to learn, you know to not do that because you want to greet people with a smile. So anyway, we're out here. We exist to reach people. That's what we're all about, to reach people, not to berate them. And guess what? Like they say, just say, all the Gentile people out there are idolaters. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Well, well that they're only doing what their fathers taught them. Why are we shocked by that? <laughs> guess what? We were all idolaters too once. Yikes. Forgot that. Whoops. How many of us had Christmas trees in our living room? How many of us did the trick-or-treat thing? How many of us did the Easter basket thing? Even if we weren't religious, we did it. How many of us have had non-kosher food? How many of us thought that at one point, we believed everything they believe about everything else. All of us, right? We've all been there. We know what it's like. So why are we mad, bro? God spoke to us. And he, in, the, in the way that God reached us, he didn't send somebody to punch us in the face and tell us we were stupid. That's not how he reached us. Love, love. As we say in French, love. Love draw, drew us in, right? So may God help us to be loving and kind. So it says, Ani Adonai Elohei Avraham Aveka. He tells, God tells Jacob, I am Adonai, God of Abraham, your father. It says here, this case is exceptional in the Torah because the grandfather is called father, whereas the father is mentioned simply by his first name. Because the full verse says, I am Adonai, God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. So it's a very important point in scripture here, particularly as we are, as I've said before, Always looking for a precedent, a Torah-based precedent. 
In this case, God did not say, I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, your father. But rather he said, I'm the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. To imply that Abraham is actually the father of uh, uh, Jacob, and Isaac is a relative in the mix. This teaches us right off the bat that we are all ultimately sons and daughters of Abraham. And Sarah, I should mention. Okay. But that's number one. But continuing on, it says here, obviously it cannot be a question of physical derivation. So clearly Jacob, his his father is Isaac, and Abraham is his grandfather. So what is the Torah trying to teach us here? And this is what it says. It says, but this form of address makes it clear to Jacob that Abraham is his spiritual father and Isaac being only an intermediary link. Now, this is critical. Okay? Why? Because remember, Isaac is our type, our shadow, our pattern of Messiah Yeshua. Okay? And what the Torah is teaching us here is that Isaac is the link between the believer, that is Jacob, and the father, that is Abraham. Isaac is the link. This is why he's not referred to as the father of Jacob, even though he is the father of Jacob. But here he's the link, he's the bridge that connects the two. And how does he connect Jacob to Abraham? Vis-a-vis -vis his sacrifice on Mount Moriah, which is why it's at the very place of that sacrifice that Jacob gets this visitation from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to go to the place of sacrifice. You have to go to the place where Yeshua laid his life down. Now, I'm not necessarily talking here literally, although that would be fantastic. But I'm talking here spiritually, you have to go to that place. You know, it's important for us to review how we got here sometimes. You know, what Jacob was doing ultimately is he knew he was getting ready to go out into exile. Jacob knew he was getting ready to go into the mission field, which, by the way, is a Jewish concept, as I just spent the last, the first 15 minutes of this broadcast explaining. He knew he was going into the mission field. He knew he was going to be faced with some challenges. So what did Jacob do as he's just about to cross the, the line into the world? What did he do? He laid down at the place of the Akedah and connected himself with that offering. And as a result, God connected him to the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to lay down. I need to lay down. And we need to put some stones around our head. And we need to connect back to that sacrifice of the Akedah Yeshua. You need to ask yourself, 
How did I get here? Why am I even on the Aliyah today? And it's not because Rabbi Griffin and his teachings. It's because of Yeshua, the Messiah, the divine Messiah of Israel. That's why I'm here. Why do I exist? Why do I even know about Torah? I, and it's not because some rabbi told me about it. It's because Yeshua and my faith in the Messiah led me here. I, we need to remind ourselves, how do we know him? We need to remind ourselves, and gentlemen, I'm talking to you, so don't, don't run off. Ladies are intrinsically spiritual, and it's real easy for them to remember. But you gentlemen, listen to me. How do you know the Messiah? Have you made a, a personal commitment to the Mashiach? Well, Rabbi, uh, what do you mean personal commitment? I'm talking about standing up and being counted among his followers. I'm talking about when he looked at you as his Talmud and said, follow me, you said yes. I want to know, I don't, you don't have to tell me, I'm not asking you to, to tell me, I'm talking to you, I want you to talk to yourself to remind yourself where and when did that happen. I know exactly where I was and what I was doing the day that Yeshua said to me, follow me. It was a long time ago, but the reason I'm here today sitting in front of you in this wonderful office, in this amazing building, in this beautiful city, talking to all of you all over the world, the reason I'm here right now is because of Messiah Yeshua. That's it, baby. There's nothing, there's no other reason. The reason I'm alive today, you know, we say in the sitter, all of you who cling to God are alive today. You better believe that. You better believe, know that, believe that, trust that. The reason Rabbi Griffin <laughs> is alive today is because I, I have clung to God through the Akedah of Messiah Yeshua. And you need to understand, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, if you, don't, if you don't understand this, if you don't know him, you need to figure out your personal testimony as it relates to him. You need to figure out your personal testimony as it relates to him. The reason I know about the Midrash Rabban, the Talmud, and Rambam, and Ramban, and all this a plethora of other stuff that I've had the pleasure to, to come to know over the last, you know, decade, two decades, is because, first of all, I was lost in the sauce and uh, you know I came to know the Messiah you know from time to time people will come into this way of life and then they'll throw the Messiah under the bus I have to say that's about the most idiotic thing I've ever seen in my life but it happens it's happened unfortunately more than once I can't imagine that I have my own opinions about those kinds of people. Wonder if they ever really knew him to begin with, and that's up for debate, I guess. I just can't imagine that they ever really knew him. But that's just my opinion. Could be that they did, and they did actually. Once they got the goods, they throw him out the bus. 
But um, I know one thing. I'll never do that. God, God forbid I should ever do that. With Bezrat Hashem, I never will do that. Let me put it that way. Because we're capable of any sin, right? We should never say, I'll never do that. We shouldn't say that. Because we are. I am capable of such a horrible sin as that. God forbid I should ever do it. But I can't imagine. Because I wouldn't know about any of this. I wouldn't know about any of it if it wasn't for him. None of it. The Mashiach made the Torah alive and known to me. Right? We need to have that testimony. I need to know if we're going to be, you know, you know why Marines, it's Marine Corps birthday, right? Um, Marines, it's like a brotherhood. It doesn't matter when you served or what you did in the Marine Corps. Uh, it's a brotherhood, and when, and whenever you see a Marine, like the other day I saw a Marine in the um, in the store. The man was um, probably pushing eighty, I would imagine. He was an older gentleman. He was wearing a, a, a Marine Corps hat. And I said, simplify, and he immediately said, you know, simplify, oorah. The reason that we're a brotherhood like that is because we've, we've been, we have a, a similar, we've all been through a history, right? We've all been through the rather difficult boot camp and, and all the other stuff, the MCT, and all that kind of stuff that goes with that. We have this, there's, there, there's, a, there's a connection. There's a singular point of connection. It doesn't matter what you did in the core, but there's a point at which we connected. See, Yeshua is that point of connection. That's, that's what makes us the brotherhood, guys. Yeah, we're, we study the Torah after that. We all have different roles that we play within the core. But it's Yeshua that makes that connection with us. He's the link between the believer and the Father. He's the reason why we can call Abraham our father. This is what Yeshua meant when he said, listen, don't think that you're all going to be A-OK -okay in the USA just because you call your father your sons of Abraham. God can take these stones, that's talking about non-Jews, and make them sons of Abraham. By the way, you cannot be a son of Abraham and not be Jewish. Did you know that? I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah, of course. In the Jewish mind, that, does, that doesn't compute. He says, it goes on to say, You are the son of him to whom I said... Walk before me and be perfect. You be his son and heir. In Jacob it says, the first one to build a completely Jewish household, the Abrahamic future was to begin its realization. You are the son to whom I said, walk before me and be holy. The Akedah is that link. This is why we've got to go to the place of the sacrifice and lay down. This is why, you know, playing dress up 
we can sit here and play dress up and, and, and pretend look, we can look good, good and taste good and feel good, but we, do we smell good? We have to smell that fragrance of Ghana Din, like I talked about on Shabbat. We have to be connected to the, to the, to the And ladies and gentlemen, this life, this Torah true life will only work when you're connected to the Akedah. And that's the only way that you're going to survive exile in Laban's house. Think good and it will be good. Todah Rabah for being with me today. May you be have a blessed, wonderful, and amazing day. The Rebetzin, God willing, will have her Musar class at noon. And we'll look forward to seeing you then. Until that time, be blessed. Enjoy all the good news and good fortune. And uh, Hashem will be with you today. Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And uh, see you then.